So obviously we've got uh, like we got a bunch of chairs up here. Something's going to be different. But before I get into uh, what's going to be different and how this morning's going to look, I want everybody to do an exercise with me. All right, and this is it. I want you to close your eyes. Take three big deep breaths in, and exhale. I'm going to start the morning by saying we have made it through the political season. <laughs> this is not at all what we're going to talk about this morning, but uh, we felt like it would be remiss. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't take maybe 90 seconds and say a few things about uh, not only the last week, but uh, the last couple of years, in a sense. For some, it was a celebratory week where their guy won. For others, it was a shocking and disappointing week where they felt like they had lost. For all, I believe it ends uh, a political season where, honestly, I would contend our community, not just this community, but our community at large, paid far too much attention in a season that had generated far too much hate and slander. Now, if you know New Community, you know that we will never be a church that espouses a certain and right political agenda. We will never endorse a specific candidate. We will not corporately support a specific policy. Politics, we will say, hold an important place in our world and country. However, they are not central to who we are. They do not define us, and they are not our hope. So I was reminded uh, this week that uh, it is very, very easy to be sucked in to the never-ending political commentary of our country. But I was also reminded that we serve a much greater cause than a certain person, a certain political identity. I was reminded that my trust and my value and my hope and my joy and my identity cannot be found in the person that I desire to win the presidency. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us. So here are four things that I think are important for us. Refocus our lives on what is truly important, Christ and his kingdom. Admit that fear has and certainly was a significant driver in our political conversation. The question of what's going to happen if, fill in the blank. Jesus was absolutely crystal clear that we have nothing to fear. So do not give in to that. Do not allow the use of fear in politics to change what you know to be true about the provision and protection of God. As much as our, uh, this is number three, as much as our country is divided across political lines, remember that Christ calls the church, both global and local, to be unified. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to have a, a political ideology that's homogeneous, uh, but I do believe that our political ideology must be secondary to our commitment to unity with each other under Christ. And number four, remember that both in victory and defeat, you are still a Christian. That you are a servant of the kingdom before you are a citizen of a country. So whether you feel victorious this week, whether you feel defeated or whether you are just confused and frustrated by the entire process, live your life in a way that honors Christ, respects and values people who think differently than you.
right? Okay, let's, uh, let's move on, and uh, we are going to jump in to our service this morning, the stuff that we're really excited to talk about. To do that, turn it over to Julie. All right. Well, the deadly sin that we are going to be talking about today is envy. Um, we at New Community believe it is vital and incredibly important for us to hear from a lot of voices within this community. So today, we are going to have a panel of wonderful people who are going to talk to all of us about envy. Um, but before they come up, Kevin and I just wanted to define envy a little bit, because I think that there can sometimes be a little bit of confusion. Because as much as it's related closely, we're not talking about jealousy or covetousness. Um, actual envy, envy deals with something greater in the heart. Um, it's easy to be jealous of something or somebody's possessions or a job, but envy is more concerned with who we are. Uh, there's a, a little exercise that I found in a book that I thought was pretty interesting that kind of helps spell the differences out between these things. So uh, if you think of these four ideas, greed, which we've already talked about, uh, jealousy, covetousness, and envy, here are the differences between those four. Because like Julie said, there can be some confusion. Some of these things, I think we use the words interchangeably, but they're not all that interchangeable in nature. So uh, think about it this way. Greed wants something more of what somebody already has. Okay, so if you need a statement to affixate with that, think about the statement this way. I want more of that. All right? Jealousy wants something that someone else has. The statement that you would fix to that is, I want that as well. Covetousness wants the exact thing that someone else has. I want the one that he has. All right? And then envy, which we'll be discussing this morning, wants that thing as much as the person who covets, but in addition, delights in how the redistribution affects that person. Here's the phrase. I want the one that he has, and I don't want him to have it anymore. All right? So that gives us kind of a framework to work with when we start talking about well, what envy really means. Um, another way, there's a woman named Rebecca DeYoung describes it like this. And it'll be up on the screen. It says, the envious person resents another person's good gifts because they are superior to his or her own. It's not just that the other person is better. It is that by comparison, their superiority makes you feel your own lack, your own inferiority more acutely. Envy targets the internal qualities of another person, qualities that give a person worth, honor, standing, or status. If the envious do desire an external thing, it is because that object symbolizes or signifies its owner's high position or greatness. In a sense, envy is the rejection of the life that God has given you um, to try and be something that you are not. It, it's the longing for something and or to be something else and the desire to be someone that I am not and starting to try and live into that. So, like Julie said, this morning will be uh, just a little bit different for the past five sins previous to this. Uh, either Russ or I have given more of uh, what we would consider kind of a typical message or Sunday sermon, uh, referring to scripture, kind of looking in this idea of self-examination, uh, and then providing some applications as we move forward. Today, we are going to learn through story and through experience, which I'm excited about. So we have a panel of four people who have generously agreed to be asked questions about how envy has affected their lives. We won't focus on a particular scripture this morning or a word study of envy necessarily. Instead, we hope to learn from others in our community to find our story within their stories. 
to re be reminded of our shared humanity and to be encouraged toward further transformation by listening to the uh, vulnerability of others in our community. So, if you guys could join me in welcoming our four MV panel members. It is Amy, where's Amy? Mark, Brooke, and Ben, come on up. Let's, and let's give it up for them, maybe. Ben, why don't you jump right on in there? Oh, Amy, you're in the center. <laughs> the old rose between two thorns right here. You're never coming back, are you? <laughs> um, will you guys each start off by introducing who you are and what stage of life you are in? Hello, tech, tech. Okay, my name is Ben Bunfill. Um, I'm 35. Married for seven and a half years. I have two kids, two girls, three and a half, one and a half. And I've uh, been in my career for about 12 years. I'm a financial advisor, um, so I help people with investments and retirement planning, stuff like that. I'm Amy, and um, I'm 35. And we have three kids. I'm married to Joel, back there. Um, <laughs> Our kids are 11, 9, and 6, so we're right in the thick of it. <laughs> <laughs> and have you been staying at home with any, any And I'm at home with my kids. Okay, um, I'm Brooke. I'm 23, unmarried. Um, I've been out of college for going on two years. Um, I'm a graphic designer. Um, been doing that for going on two years. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a career path necessarily, um, just kind of trying to figure it out. My name is Mark Hilditch, and I've been retired for a couple of years. Um, and I've got a wife, Sharon, and um, th three kids that are all adults with kids of their own. That's it. That's it. That sounds like a lot. Um, so uh, obviously you can see that our, uh, our panel is uh, diverse in the fact that we have a lot of different life stages represented here, right? Uh, people that uh, have kids, people who are married, people who are retired. So given your stage of life, and anybody can jump in on this question uh, when they want to, what do you think most people maybe in that similar place, or yourself if you'd like to, envy? Where do you see envy in your life? I'll go first. <laughs> I don't know if the 20-somethings want me to speak for them, um, but I can just say from my experience or from people that I love in my life, I think um, belonging can be something that's envied, and that can look different. Um, maybe it's envy of marriage or family because you feel like that will give you structure, security, um, a place to be um, without question. Or maybe just intimate community, too, um, if there's feelings of loneliness. So I think, yeah, those things can come up. I know I envy belonging, definitely. Um, and then the other one I would say is security or 
uh, success in more of a career space. Um, so success could mean just being debt-free, college loans. Um, I know some people envy that. Um, or success in a career too, um, envy of others who seem like they're on a more successful career path, one that provides more opportunity, or maybe envious of people that seem to have character traits or skill sets that offer more, uh, maybe in the career that you want to pursue, or um, yeah, in something that you're desiring to seek after in a job. Um, I know a lot of people who uh, envy the health of other people, and that's been me part of the time. Um, I've survived cancer and um, the loss of a spouse, and um, and I, I hear a lot of people, um, you know, commenting on the good health of others when they don't have it, um, and that's something that um, that I think we all need to um, need to focus on and um, and pray about. And the other thing is, um, for people in my stage of life, um, a lot of people um, are envious of other people's careers and their success in um, in business, and um, and that's another thing that that um, challenges a lot of people is the business and um, career success of other people. Would you guys yeah, say something different than maybe back here? <laughs> um, I think that in my stage of life and, um, and maybe even for um, as, as I get older, um, it would be just how, how your kids are doing. It feels like a report card when this is your life. <laughs> And that can be discouraging, you know, if that is your, the test of, if you're looking at to your kids to tell you how you're doing, it's usually not going to be, not, I'm not going to say usually, it's often, <laughs> often not going to feel great because they're human and they make mistakes and we're the, par the parents, so we're going to be looking at them and evaluating um, how we're doing, so. Uh, I think that uh, for someone that is 30-ish, 40-ish, uh, kind of the, some of the main things that kind of show that we're successful are those, those status symbols. So the career that you have, you always want to have a career that sounds exciting or one that people know that, oh, he probably does pretty well or she does pretty well. Or, um, and then secondly, I see people, like with the cars that they drive, uh, I feel like that's kind of a, a status symbol and probably buying, as a financial advisor, I can kind of I know when people are buying too much car, um, <laughs> and uh, just to kind of prove their the status, um, or make or even make it look like they're beyond what they should be, you know, as a person, or because that's who they are. Um, and then also the homes that we live in. I think those are the, the three things that I see people kind of compare themselves against with other people. So, can I ask a follow-up question with that, Ben? So, somebody who has uh, maybe some expertise in that way, how does that? Um, have you ever felt those things personally 
So you, it's easy as a, like a professional to say, ooh, you're buying too much car or too much house. But have you ever seen those things creep into your life profe or, uh, personally and say, I'm like the people I'm counseling not to do that? <laughs> this was not scripted, so good luck. I have wanted a nicer car. <laughs> um, well, I, I think it, since this is the field I work in, I, I think that maybe this isn't the best way to, to look at it, but I'm kind of, I judge other people, so that's how I cope with it. Yeah. So, oh, they're buying too much car, that's stupid. So, yeah. That, yeah. so instead of being envious, I'm judgmental. Okay. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a whole different panel then. Beautiful, thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, I would say I am a mom of three as well, and I, what Amy was just saying, I would echo in that you look at your kids and you try and you kind of find your own self-worth. And I think that quote that we had a little bit ago, um, I think the other part of that for me with when it comes to envying kids and looking at other people's kids is then I start to feel my own lack of, I must not have done this as a mom. I may not be the best mom for my kids, which is a lie. Um, but I think it's easy to do in whatever stage of your life you're in. So I just wanted to echo that. But so with that, um, as we've kind of just listed off some things that we envy, how do you guys either personally or seeing other people, um, how do we feed our envy? What things make it grow? Rick, you did a great job of starting off. You can start off with a good <laughs> way to go. Okay. Um, I think uh, comparison seems obvious, but I do think um, that habit of putting traits of yours and traits of others side by side when really they're maybe not, they're not comparable, but we do it. I think that can build envy. And then just self-consciousness too. If you're hyper aware of what you lack in um, and you spend time dwelling on that, then I think you're, you're way more likely to pick out things uh, or people in your life that seem to have what you feel like you're lacking in. Um, so it, I think it makes you more aware of it in that way. echo that um, just if we are focused let's see sorry if we're focused way too much on ourselves or way too much on what other people are doing instead of our relationship with God that's going to be problematic um, and that's where it starts I believe I think that one solution that we all have access to is prayer. And when you start feeling envious of another person, um, I think that it's a good idea to, to um, take that to the Lord and, uh, and then confess and pray and get what God has for you to, to carry on. Sometimes I think we feed envy kind of unbeknownst to ourselves. Um, and uh, as I was reflecting on it, I thought of uh, a lot of secular entertainment. So TVs, movies, uh, se some secular music maybe. Um, and how I, how I kind of think of it is we have kind of like two theme songs that are playing on our head, in our heads. The song of the world and the song of God. And we can basically turn the volume up uh, on one song or the other song based off of what we allow into our, into our minds. <coughs> And, uh, you know, it's our job, it says in the Bible, somewhere there. Um, 
<laughs> to take everything. I was going to try to sound smart, but I don't know where it is. Um, to th- take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And oftentimes we, our envy gets fed because we're passive with how we uh, um, take care of our thought lives. And you know, I talk about this with my, in my, uh, my, my men's group. You know, when we, on our way to work, you know, we're, there's billboards and there's things that you can take a look at, the car lot that you drive by, and it's your job to, uh, you know, uh, be careful of, of the thoughts that you, you let into your head because you're allowing the volume of that theme song to turn up, um, and it's your job to keep the volume down. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting things, so we, um, spoiler alert, we gave all these questions to these people beforehand. Um, but uh, one of the things we said is, in this question, we said, think deeper than Instagram and Facebook and social media things. How, so thank you for not all going right to that. However, um, that is certainly a way that feeds all this, right? Uh, I mean, how many of us can identify with uh, scrolling through the feed and seeing, um, you know, like, like maybe in my world, in my context as a, as a dad and as somebody kind of in a career, um, seeing a family on vacation, you know, in the middle of November and thinking, nobody goes on vacation in November. What are they doing? Like, <laughs> how do they get to be on vacation while we're here grinding away at work? It's, it's not spring break. That's when you do vacation or whatever. Um, but that's where I feel like a, a lot of times, um, you know, like as Ben has said, it's, a lot of it is what do we allow in? And if what we're allowing in is constantly updating ourselves with what other people are doing, as much as we um, sometimes mask that with, well, I want to keep in touch with my friends, I think a lot of time what's happening is we're just feeding uh, a false sense of, uh, of identity in a lot of ways. I know we've said this before, but nobody posts the ugly pictures of their family or the terrible pictures of all their kids crying on vacation. It's, they post the, mo- the best sunsets, right? Um, or and the big so, pile of laundry that's cropped yeah, out of the picture. Yeah, or the laundry. <laughs> like, so uh, that is certainly certainly a way uh, that we feed that. <clears throat> One last thing I would say too is we did um, we'd uh, had the privilege of walking alongside a, a, a couple in our marriage mentoring uh, ministry here, a, a young couple that got married recently, and we've um, followed up. They got married in June. We followed up with them this week. We tend to try to meet with those couples once or twice after um, after the wedding just to check in and say how's it going and. Um, they were describing um, kind of their process of, of beginning to uh, live with one another and, and, you know, just actually being married. And they said uh, one of the coolest things they talked about was this idea. They call it gratitudes, which I think is a really funny, uh, funny word for it. But um, it's essentially what, what they have des- um, kind of designed in uh, their relationship with one another is anytime they have feelings of insecurity, feelings of envy, feelings, um, feelings that they know are not from the Lord, they begin this process called gratitudes. And it's where they sit down and they begin just to write down, physically write down 10 things that they're thankful for. Uh, and, and it's this beautiful way of kind of reshifting that focus. So you're all inward and thinking about yourself and the things you don't have or the, or the person you could be or why are my kids the way they are and that reflects poorly on me. It gets you out of that mind frame and then refocuses you on, man, God is so faithful. God is so good. And look at all of these ways 
that he has shown himself to be faithful and has shown himself to be true and real and fulfill his promises in my life. So uh, like Mark said, obviously prayer is a, is, is a way that we can walk through that, but um, gratitudes might be uh, another way. Um, I'm going to skip number four. Maybe we'll come back to it. But um, question number five, uh, how have you seen envy hurt relationships in your life? Um, well, this is a, it's funny, looking over these questions, I felt like I was sitting down with a psychiatrist sometimes, but, uh, you know, I think I thought back to a childhood relationship I had with a, a guy from my school that had, uh, his grandfather was just extremely wealthy, and uh, we had this, he, he had this uh, big farm, like almost a zoo, like a private zoo, and it, it was just fun to go over there and play at his place, and, um, uh, and as a, a part of our school pro, uh, project, there was, we, ha we had this thing where we like in this exercise, write down something that you appreciate or why you're friends with this person. And uh, I remember writing down that, this shouldn't be that emotional for me, I'll, I'll try to keep it together, but um, I, I really like him because of his grandfather and his stuff. And I think I was trying to be funny at the time, but I realized how much that damaged that relationship and um, basically I was saying I don't really like you I like the access that you give me and uh, so that was kind of one thing from a while ago so as I was uh, reflecting on what envy really is for me um, I feel like just me doubting God's love and that um, his gifts aren't as good as the people around me, to, to me. Um, it gives us in just um, what I'm made up of and who I am and my, you know, uh, my qualities. And so um, it's, as far as relationships, I really started to notice this early um, on in adulthood where if I was starting to feel isolated and alone, that that was a real um, started to become a signal to me that um, that I'm comparing, and then and whether we we notice it or not, that will start that will hurt us, but it will hurt them too, and I don't think that's all. Like I don't think we can see that um, sometimes in the, when we're in the middle of it. But if, if you start to feel distance between you and a friend, um, <coughs> I think that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes that's what's going on. Whether it's you or them, but it's probably best to look at yourself first. Um, I would echo the distance piece. Um, and then I would also say when you're envious of someone and you feel like you're lacking, I think in my in my brain, I automatically equate that they aren't lacking, and I almost kind of blanket that for a multitude of things. So it makes me it makes me less caring towards them, less compassionate. Um, I'm not near as good of a listener because I I assume they're fine. I think that um, because I'm lacking and they're not, that they must not 
need much or definitely not anything from me. So I think it can, it can hinder the way that I care for people. When I was, when I was in my 30s, um, I left a career that I um, was in, engaged in and, um, and I went to seminary and became a pastor. Um, and I think, as I think back, um, I think a lot of the reason why I did, why I was attracted to that, was um, was jealousy or envy of some of my f- good friends who were pastoring. And um, while I think that um, I was blessed in the years that I pastored and um, and that God used that, um, when it came to an end, um, I think that uh, I think that God has used me um, in a more um, meaningful way um, in the last 20 years, having left the pastorate um, to those who were <laughs> um, perhaps more um, more fully called. Um, and the things that God has given me to do since then, um, uh, I've done um, I've done well with God's guidance, and um, and I think that uh, that that's a, an area of our lives where um, where we can um, get a lot from uh, praying uh, that God would show us. Uh, what we're supposed to do for God um, in the world. Thank you guys for those. That's never easy to share um, some vulnerable things in front of a large group of people. Um, some, A few things have been mentioned already, but can you guys maybe share what elements of your faith have helped you combat envy? I think that one of the things that uh, have, this has been effective and helpful for me is to be really honest with myself. And I think that we can um, call our feelings something prettier. Mm. Um, and we can make it sound a lot better than it really is. And if we, if, when I can admit to myself and sometimes other people, but really to myself, I am envious of that person, of that trait, of, and that's ugly. Um, instead of saying, I just, you know, I really love that person. I think that I admire them so much, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that can be a trap, and you can make yourself feel really good about yourself, about um, how you admire people or how you're lifting other compliments or whatever but if you call it what it is it's probably a good place to start can I share a Bible verse (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this might not be for like every kind of envy but again I've thought about it a lot with uh, just the area of money and material stuff, but I think one of the main things that uh, can really help to uh, combat envy is just the spiritual discipline of tithing. 
And uh, for a lot of reasons, I'm not going to get too deep it with it right now, but a lot of you probably know Malachi, uh, what he says about tithing in uh, Malachi 3.10. It says, Breathe, uh, bring the whole tithe, or tenth, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. And it actually says right before that that because they weren't doing it, that the, the nation was under a curse. And uh, kind of strong language, but that's what it says. And um, in my line of work, I'm able to take a look at budgets sometimes. And, um, you know, there's some people that's they're obviously giving a, a good chunk of, of what their, their intake is. They're giving it away. And uh, it's almost like they're excited to talk about it. Not in, in, not in a uh, gloating way, but they're just, you know, there's something that it's a value that we have. And, um, but then there's other people that, you know, they're, these are Christians I'm talking about, not, not non-Christians. But um, they, they have a line item for that, but it's obviously not that substantial at all compared to their income. And, uh, you know, those are the ones that are, you know, they're, they're stressed out. They're, they're, they have a lot in debt. Um, they're probably buying too much car. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, there's tension. And I can tell that there's, there's a lack of uh, inner peace there because, you know, I think with tithing, it just kind of proves to yourself that you don't need everything that's coming in because you don't. And uh, um, it also proves to God that you trust him with what's coming in. And if you're not doing that, I, uh, I think there's not going to be a lot of blessing. And um, this isn't the health and wealth type stuff, but it's just the, the type of prosperity that money can't buy. And uh, so I think that's a big one that I see in, my, in our own lives and in people around me. So. Um, I think when – I think envy comes for me when – uh, it, it can bring the idea that I'm not enough. And so I think pursuing an identity that's rooted in Christ can, can do a lot because um, it's, it's reminding you that you, maybe you are lacking, um, but there's, there's a lot to cover that. And it, I think it can bring security that then would combat envy in a lot of ways. Um, and then the second thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote my housemate, Bella. Um, her words were, a healthy dose of reality. And I loved that. I think... Um, just to come to grips with the fact that you are human and you are lacking. Um, and so are the people that you envy. And I think that can sort of shift your perspective and point you toward Christ once again um, because he covers that. Humility. Um, I see some of you nodding. Um, uh, humility is, is, to me... The, the most important um, guard against um, a- envy. Um, and I think if we would just um, ask God for the humility that is there, um, dwell on humility, um, exercise humility, uh, pray for it, that, um, that that's, that's one of the things that or if not the thing that um, that I think is uh, has been helpful to me in um, 
dealing with envy? Uh, I'll share something. Uh, kind of going back to the, the question we asked right before this, how have you seen it hurt relationships? Um, I've, I've been thinking about that in this week as we've been preparing. And um, so if you play out a scenario in my life, uh, maybe I, I see somebody kind of external to my immediate family or, or my family of origin, and I'm envious of, of a trait or a life situation, circumstance, uh, and certainly that begins to fracture or create distance like we've talked about in that relationship. Uh, the other way I've seen it hurt is then uh, it hurts the relationships I have back home with my kids, with my wife, with my family uh, of origin because I then begin to internalize bitterness and, uh, and frustration and that stuff begins to kind of rear its ugly head at home where those thoughts of, man, I, I just wish uh, you were different or I wish this was different about my life because I'm, being, I'm feeding all of this envy looking at other people. Um, so one of the, the ways that I have found um, to combat that uh, in my life is, um, and it's similar to, to what Amy mentioned and what Russ talked about when we first started, is this idea of radical self-disclosure and, um, and being really honest with, um, with myself, calling those things out, uh, even when it's dark and ugly and gross, and you don't want to have to name that stuff, but naming that... Um, that's one way, and then the, the other way um, that I, my wife and I have talked a lot about is um, it, kind of the idea of um, uh, fake it till you feel it, if you guys have, uh, have heard that phrase before. C.S. Lewis talks about the idea of um, it's important to love even when you don't feel like you want to love, and I feel like this is somewhat similar in that way, that, um, that even in those moments of bitterness, even in those moments of frustration, it's still critically important to love and to be kind and to be generous. And I found that the way or, or the more that I force myself into being uh, those ways or presenting or, or posturing myself in those ways, the less I then am wrestling with that bitterness because I, I just don't think there's space for it anymore, that that stuff begins to uh, kind of be excised out. And, uh, and what's left is uh, a kind spirit and generosity and, um, and the things that, that I want to be about, you know. Um, Julie, do you have uh, last questions or last follow-up things? No, I just, um, I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit ago was that Instagram um, or Facebook or things, and I will honestly say that there's been times in my life where I've just, I'm actually not even on Facebook, which I know, uh, um, just not, <laughs> but um, Instagram, I've stopped doing it at times because I'm like, all I'm doing is looking at other people's lives and being envious of them or jealous of them or comparing and so um, what we want from today is for you guys to take this and to think about it and honestly have some good self-reflection sometimes where you're really asking yourself some hard questions about what do you envy, who do you envy, um, and how is that hurting relationships in your life? What is that doing? And then, but not just stop there, um, but I just want to echo what Kevin just said about that radical self-disclosure and find somebody to talk to about it. There, we can email you guys all the questions we asked today for small group. Our small group is going to be talking about actually this this week along with how we use our phones and how we use technology, kind of that, kind of pairing those two things together. Um, but this is meant to spur on conversation. This is just the starting point. And then we want you to take this and really dive into what this means for who you are and who you are in Christ. So we want to encourage you guys to do that this week.